It's an all-new, all-black environment post-World Cup this time next year. All-new. So, as a coach who's now named his assistants in Jason Holland, Leon McDonald, Scott Hansen, and Jason Ryan, headed by Scott Robertson, I said, who can we talk to about this? Let's get the guy that knows the most about coaching in the world. A regular guest of ours, Wayne Goldsmith, joins us out of Australia. Wayne, thanks for chatting us today. Oh, mate, it's always a pleasure. How are things going with you today? Things are good. There's so many discussion points. This all-black coach thing won't go away. Like there was Razor should have been in last year, and then before it was announced, Ian Foster pulled out of the race, then Razor was named, and then I think it was yesterday he named his assistant coaches. In your experience, so he's he's the next All Blacks coach. He doesn't start till 1 November. How does he construct a cohesive unit or does he start to construct it now or does he wait till 1 November? How would you advise him? Yeah, look, it's a tricky one, isn't it? And I think everyone in the rugby world's had a bit of a look at the way they're, they're doing what they're doing. Look, even though he may not have direct control and influence over the players right now, I have no doubt that he'd be meeting with or planning to meet with the coaching team and look at ways that they can they can go through a process. And, and usually the first step is, well, who are we as a coaching group? What are we trying to achieve? What's our overall philosophy on coaching? How will we manage to work effectively as a group? And how will we deliver information to the player? How will we deal with media? So I've got no doubt that they'd be getting a head start. They're not going to be hitting the ground first November and going, okay, let's decide what we're going to do now. I would imagine, knowing a little bit about Scott, that there's plans well and truly underway and uh, they'll be very advanced in their thinking by the time the official start date comes around. It's, it's the first time in a long, long time, Wayne, if we go back to Graham Henry's era. Steve Hansen was an assistant, became coach. Steve Hansen was head coach, Ian Foster was assistant, became coach. Now Ian Foster, there's no, none of this, none of the traditional handover um, like if Jason Ryan or any of uh, Ian Foster's assistants, Scott McLeod, etc. Greg Feek, um, actually no, not Greg Feek, he's gone, isn't he? But anyway, there's no one from within the camp except for Jason Ryan, but he's not becoming head coach that throws up different challenges. It does, because we have a phrase we use called the legacy of learning, that there's nothing like great experience. However, that legacy has been there for a long time, Steffi, hasn't it? Like if you go back and you look at the, I think it was at the post-2007 review when there was some significant changes and then, you know, that wonderful performance, obviously, 2011. But, you know, around about that time, though, I think, well, do we keep, uh, Sir Graham and do we keep Smithy involved and what do we, you know, there was a lot of strong debate of whether or not we retain those guys or you retain those guys through that period and of course then they uh, pro- had proven themselves over and over again to be the best coaching team in world rugby and their lineage, I mean look what Smithy and Sir Henry did with the girls just recently, I mean mm. incredible that influence but you know there comes a time when younger coaches with new ideas, with different ways of doing things, who've been, let's face it, probably absolutely desperate to grab the reins of that team with great pride and and the honour of being there and say, let's see what we can do. So as always, I think you, you respect the past, 
you look at why you do what you do by standing on the shoulders of those those great great coaches who've come before you but then you forge a new path and and I think that group looks more than capable of doing something spectacular in the future. I think we've touched on this before about roles of assistant coaches and head coaches. Now, there's murmurings that Wayne Smith might have a little bit of uh, an involvement with this next coaching group. And I guess being from a, a Canterbury background, um, that sort of lends a little bit more weight to that idea. But we've got Jason Holland, head coach Hurricanes, Leon McDonald, head coach Blues, uh, going into being assistant coaches. How much modification of their behaviour, or how much of a challenge will it be for them to go from being a head coach down to an assistant? Mate, this is why you get paid the big bucks, bucks mate, because that is a great question. Because, you know, you're not only you've got, to, you've got to find a way of bringing together great leaders within a team and, and ostensibly have a very egalitarian approach where they're all working as part of the group where everybody's views and opinions are respected. But you've also got to accelerate the learning and development of the coaches that have to fill their roles back in the provincial position. That's incredibly important because, you know, they're, they're, you, you, you strengthen with all those great leaders and what they've achieved, the national team and the All Blacks coaching environment, but thinking longer term and more broadly, you want to sustain the quality of coaching in all the provincial teams as well. So that's another issue. Look, with Smithy, whether he was actually there or not, I don't think matters that much, to be honest. I think he's the greatest export from New Zealand since Crowded House. But, <laughs> um, you know, he's the two greatest minds I've ever spent any time with in rugby are Smithy and Eddie Jones, and there's not much between them, even though they're very, very different. I would imagine the influence that he's had on them already through uh, Rugby NZ's coach development program, through his interaction with them, through being uh, the influential coach that is in Canterbury. His influence would already be stamped there anyway, whether he's physically involved. But I think if they're smart, they continue to reach out to those older heads and, and learn from them. It's all about how do we accelerate our learning. Because mm. the other thing too I was thinking about, as a head coach... Um, you need ego, and I'm not talking unhealthy ego. You need you need an ego and a confidence to pull the trigger on your ideas. Now, the Blues, the Hurricanes, Crusaders all play very different styles, and I'm just thinking. Let, let's go for Jason Holland, for example. He's going to be quite adamant about a way he wants to plan his attacks and and all that sort of thing. But he might he's going to have to fall into line for Scott Robertson. It's uh, there's, there's an interesting uh, there's going to be some interesting dynamics that we're never going to be privy to. Yeah, and that, that's exactly right there. That I think that's why, you know, right now, if you're in his position, you'd be bringing these guys together and you'd say, who are we as a group? What do we stand for? What's our collective vision? What do we see as the style of play that we know could dominate world rugby for the next cycle and maybe even the cycle after that if it works really well and uh, you get your hands on the web balance? So that, that would be the sort of discussion. And... It's, it's got to come at the, the... It's always interesting to me, Steffi, that, that I was in a big name to drop. I was in Twickenham a long, long time ago as part of a, a team that Eddie Jones was leading there. And as I do at different times, I made a silly joke. And one of the staff said to me, how can you joke? These guys are going to war. <laughs> and at the time, it really floored me. But, you know, in reality, we're sending the players and coaches out to, to battle against other nations. And that environment means you've got to trust 
the people that are standing next to you and around you. And these early stages, I'm sure the coaching group would get together, get all of this out in the open, be very direct and honest. So they start to build an unquestioned and unconditional level of trust with each other because that's what it takes. And, you know, even I know when I was advising a, a rugby league team in the last couple of years, there was a head coach and there was a director of coaching. And both of them had been former head coaches. Mm. And they had to have a very direct and honest discussion about how do we talk to the media? Who will say what? If I hear something that I don't think is true, how would we deal with that? How will we coordinate together as a, as a coaching group to get the best out of each other and to help the team achieve their goals? So you've got to have those very hard and very honest and direct discussions now and build the foundations of trust that you can then uh, put through and influence the rest of the team. So from what I'm hearing, when you're saying uh, planning backline moves, line-out drives, kicking tactics – that can wait. We need to set our foundation. We're building a house, and you can't paint the house until it's built, so we've got to build the house first. Yeah, it's true. I mean, we, in all sport, there's the same five areas at play. There's physical development and getting the players ready to go physically. There's the mental and emotional side. There's the technical, the technique element, and then the strategic and tactical. So we say physical, mental, technical, tactical. But underpinning all of that, and, and from right from the start, it's cultural. What is the culture? What are the actions? What are the behaviours? What are the attitudes that then flow through the physical, mental, technical, tactical? And that foundation, which I would absolutely be certain is happening somewhere, either right now or in the next month or two, there would be the cultural foundations of who they are, what do they stand for, what are their values, what do those values look like in the physical, mental, technical and technical areas of the team so that when they start working and connecting with players, those things are very, very clear. The other thing from that, again, a great line from an old rugby league friend of mine says, the single most important thing for the effectiveness of any football team is role clarity. Is people know what they're supposed to do when they have to do it and to what standard, then everything runs smoothly. And again, I would expect, particularly because of their background as head coaches and senior coaches, that would be a, a, a fundamental element of discussion. Who's going to do what? On how will that be measured? When will we do it? And why are we doing it? If they would be having those discussions well and truly before November the 1st. Yeah, it's exciting times for rugby fans over here because, you know, um, public opinion, they've got their man and Scott Robertson and, and the feeling is over here, Wayne, that it was, the hand was forced. The New Zealand rugby's hand was forced by the public um, when they backed Ian Foster last year. They said he's our man to the World Cup. Um, didn't lose any matches between then and now, but they've appointed Scott Robertson. I think that was a public pressure thing. So my interesting thing, and finally with you, Wayne, I don't want to take up too much of your time, is how New Zealand rugby redesign their relationship with the public. Because I think that is, now the coach and the coaching staff is there, how New Zealand rugby readdress their long-standing, wonderful, long-term relationship is fraying at the edges at the moment with the public. Do you see that as the next important um, thing that needs to be addressed? I think that'll be one element of it. I don't know with respect to the public, and I think New Zealanders are without doubt 
the most informed and most passionate rugby fans in the world. I, I don't know that would be the absolute priority. What I would, I would think is I would be thinking if we get who we are right and if we get this initial stage and we get these platforms and this foundation right, that the performance of the team and the way the team and the coaches conduct themselves, that will naturally... I've found that the New Zealand rugby public, and I've been there you know, 50 times in the last 30 years, are very forgiving and very committed to that black jumper. And I don't think it's a big issue. I think they will very quickly reconnect with a team that's showing the values that New Zealanders prize, you know, like connection with community and honesty and fair play and all the things that the culture of the team has been known about around the world for so long. When they see those things coming through in the behaviours and actions and the talk and the media in the coaching and playing staff, to me, that wouldn't be an issue. I think the the depth of the relationship between the New Zealand people and that team is something that's unique in the sporting world. I don't know that it's going to take a lot of time to reconnect strongly as it's been for 100 years, mate. Wayne Goldsmith, I'll leave you with this. It's a text from one of our listeners, Craig, and it says, I love listening to Wayne Goldsmith. It's so good he's on the show. He always speaks so much sense. So there you go, Wayne. And the $100 I owe him is on the way, mate. It'll be there next week. Just uh, <laughs> It takes a while through the international transfer system. <laughs> good man, Wayne. Always good catching up. Thanks for your time. Anytime, my friend. Stay well. Cheers, buddy. Wayne Goldsmith just speaks with so much clarity and um, just such a valuable resource for us to be able to tap into. Anything coaching comes up, we <clears throat> contact him and... He's just developed so much knowledge over the years and I know he's worked a lot with Australian swimming teams, the Olympics, the Canberra Raiders, uh, the Wallabies, the Kangaroos, the Australian cricket team. Just so well versed in so many things and, and a lot with um, parents and kids, a promising kids sport as well. So regular listeners uh, and thanks Craig for sending that. I, I'm pleased I could read that out to him because uh, I think it, there are some important messages in there. Alright, we will take a quick break on the back of the Wayne Goldsmith. Keep texting us if you like your dream sports job if you missed that. Um, first hour, asking you if you're new, new onto this show today. Uh, your dream sports job. We've got one here. Uh, uh, staff, imagine being a photographer for big wave surfing. What a rush. Vaughan, I'm 100% with you. Oh, just sitting out to the side of the channel at, at Pipeline. Oh, Bells, Margs. Oh, it would just be brilliant. Oh, I would love that. And remember, we did have on the show the guy that films at um, Nazareth in Portugal, the big wave, Tim Bonneton, who's a documentary maker for big wave surfing. That was a fantastic chat with him. Loved it. He didn't share the link I sent of the... Uh, podcast of his interview though because he's got a gazillion followers but by the by anyway take a break we'll be back